This is a story about the end of everything, the end of time, which the Jews were quite keen on. And they were keen on it for lots of reasons. The principal one being that life was hard for the Jews in Israel and in Judea. They had been the butt of wars from all the superpowers throughout history to this point. And at this point were, as we know, controlled by the Romans. So the idea of an end of time when justice will really be done and the evil will be punished and those who are not evil will be welcomed is a really important story to tell and it's all the way through the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. So in this particular story, it carries the same story on. Using the idea of sheep and goats, and in Palestine and, and uh, the Middle East, uh, sheep and goats always grazed together, and you didn't, uh, and they all ate the same stuff. And it wasn't until you needed to separate them out later that you would do it. So the sheep and the goats are all together. Then comes the time when you need to separate them. So what separates them in this story? Well, if you know anything about the church and church history, you'll know that the obvious things that separate them are whether you believe in the resurrection of Jesus or the virgin birth, whether you believe and what you believe about the Holy Spirit, what you believe about baptism and who should be baptised and when and how, what you believe about drinking, whether you should drink or not drink alcohol, what you believe about same-gender marriages. They're the things that have split the church over and many more over centuries. Some of the things that have split the church now appear to us to be absurd. People have gone to the stake, having to, unwilling to renounce something that we consider to be a minor point in faith. The United Church is split right down the middle. We pretend it's not, but it's split right down the middle over the issue of same-gender marriage. These are the things that are obviously what separates the sheep from the goats. Except, of course... They're not. It's nothing like that. None of those things appear in this story. What separates the sheep and the goats, according to Jesus in this story, is really basic stuff, basic to human life. The things we need to survive and to thrive. Food, water, clothing, justice and community being welcomed. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing and I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Forget about all the creeds and the doctrines that the church has promulgated over the years. Forget about our beliefs and our structures. Forget about our doctrines and denominations. It's not about those things, according to Jesus. It's about really ordinary, basic things. And we kind of get this. We all know this in our hearts. In fact, our best critics in the church are people who are not part of the church, who when we start banging on about something other than the basics of these things, they ask questions about us. Why are you talking about that? What about the ordinary things, the basic things? It's one of the reasons why the Salvation Army has always been the one of the churches that has 
best recognised and acknowledged in Australia. Because when there's a disaster, they're there on the ground, running soup kitchens, doing disaster relief, and as they have been all up and down the east coast with the bushfires. That's the way the Salvation Army, one of the ways the Salvation Army sees itself. And ordinary Australians who are not members of churches recognise that. Kind of, we've got a sense that all those other things that, that have divided us and that are dividing us now and causing us a great deal of anguish and an, an enormous amount of energy don't really have things to do with the important things in life. It's about the basic things. Well, that's not new. We already knew that. And, and when I read this list, I just kind of get tired and, and exhausted because these are hard things to do all the time. I feel overwhelmed by the needs around me, even in just the, the handful of people in my circle, let alone the people in my town, let alone the people in my state, and let alone looking at the internet and discovering what's going on on the eastern seaboard with people in fires or any of the hotspots in the world where people are in trouble. But it's easy to skip over the very first part of this reading, which says... All the nations will be gathered before him. This is not a story being told to individuals. We're very much an individualistic culture. We, can, we read the Bible as individuals. It was actually written in most places, in most cases, to community. The idea of an individual alone by his or herself just didn't compute to people of this era and to lots of other communities in the world today. So it says, when all the nations will be gathered before him. Whatever this job is to do, of the basics of food and water and shelter and so on, we're called to do this together as a community. So it's a great reading for Australia Day, isn't it? Because we're called to do it as a nation, the nation of Australia. And in one sense, it's fairly easy to measure. The next time you listen to a politician give an election speech or any kind of communication with us, any, type, any kind of political or community leader, we can ask ourselves the simple questions. Will this policy that they're talking about or this plan that they're going to put into place, will this provide food, water, clothing and community and justice? Of course, the answer to that is, ah, I don't know, because it's really complicated. And it, it is supposed to be complicated because we're complicated people in a complicated community. A modern nation is perhaps even more complicated than, than in Jesus' time. When interest, late, interest rates are very low as they are at the moment, that's a bonus if you're buying a house. When interest rates are low, it's terrible if you're trying to live off investments. And if it was the reverse, it would be the reverse. It's complicated. So anyone that tells us all we need to do is probably isn't worth listening to after that statement. Because either they're stupid, not knowing how complicated the world is, or they're lying to us because they think we're stupid. Because it's too complicated for that. We haven't got fires in many parts of Australia 
because Scott Morrison didn't do anything about climate change, which is one extreme. We haven't got fires in Australia because the Greens, I don't know how, but somehow the Greens stopped governments from burning off uh, undergrowth. Sure, it's never that simple. It's much more complicated than that. Even if Scott Morrison had acknowledged climate change and done something a little earlier about it, we would still have terrible bushfires in Australia because it's Australia. We have droughts. But it, pretending, as some right-wing politicians have done, that climate change has nothing to do with bushfires is just as stupid. We know it's much more complicated than that. And we know when we're being told something that isn't true. And it's mostly not true if it's simple. Because life is a complicated thing. We as individuals are complicated people. And community is really difficult. So it's really interesting to have this reading that kind of cuts through some of that because the basic things are pretty obvious to measure. If you're hungry or thirsty, that isn't up for debate. You just are. If you don't have enough clothing or you don't have shelter or you're not getting justice, those things are fairly obvious. Now, how to get them, that might be complicated. But it's not complicated that that's what we need to be doing. And we always need to tell the complicated story. It's January 26th. It's Invasion Day. At worst, when Europeans came to this country, we massacred thousands of First Nations people. At best, we lived with the fiction of terra nullius, the idea that there was no one actually here, so we could do whatever we liked. We could plant a little flag from some place across the other side of the globe and pretend that that meant we now owned whatever owning means, this land. And the more we ignore that truth, the more we live in unreality and in shame. John Howard was wrong when he talked about the black armband view of history. It wasn't a view, it's established truth. It's irrefutable, but it's not the only fact about Australia. Europeans have built on this continent one of the most prosperous, free and multicultural nations and peaceful nations on the planet. Even right at the beginning, the efforts, if you've read anything about Governor Philip, Arthur Philip, the first governor who in 1788 landed here and planted a flag to uh, claim the colony of New South Wales. It wasn't about Australia, it was just about New South Wales. I always thought we should call it New South Wales Day, but because that's really what it was. He was given instructions and he tried to live out how do you integrate with, how do you pay attention to the indigenous inhabitants of Sydney Cove? And he did that well and badly. He did some terrible things and some really enlightened things in his attempts to try and make something out of this. Or the free vision, the vision of a free colony of South Australia that is commemorated on the front cover of our notice sheet. There were some extraordinary dreams that were brought into being in Australia alongside extraordinary evil and tragedy. Australia Day isn't about beaches, beer and barbecue. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But they don't encapsulate anything. They're just a small part of one of the myriad of ways of experiencing Australia Day. In many parts of the country, people who've only just learnt enough English 
to take the oath will become Australian citizens. They're newly arrived here and they're still trying to figure out what day of the week it is and they've been welcomed into Australia and they're becoming citizens. That's, that's going to happen all over the country today. That's a complexity about Australia. Indigenous Australians all over the country today will mark Invasion Day. And remember again the sorrow and pain of an entire nation, a group of nations, being decimated by colonisers. It's complicated. But the main story still has to come back to the story that Jesus is telling us here. Are you providing food, water, shelter, justice and welcome? If not, whatever you're doing is wrong. That's why the Uniting Church and every church in Australia stands against the government's position and the opposition's position on the incarceration of asylum seekers. Not because we're kind of nice people and we feel, you know, we like people. No, because we are commanded to do that by the scriptures we say we follow. We have no choice. Yes, it might be complicated. Yes, we don't know what might happen um, if we release asylum seekers. Would that mean the boats would sail up again? We don't know and that's not our point. Our point has to be, are we providing justice, food, water, safety? That always has to be our point. So should we change the date of Australia Day? Well, I, I personally, I think we probably are going to at some point. Um, every time you look at a national opinion poll, slightly more people think it's probably worth looking at and changing it. It's kind of an anachronistic day. It probably should be January the 1st when we actually formed ourselves as a nation in the parliament. If you've seen that enormous Tom Roberts painting of, of, of hundreds and hundreds of people in the Melbourne Town Hall? I'm not sure if there's a town hall. Anyway, one of the big Melbourne buildings, um, the only big places we had in the country at the time, thanks to the gold rush, um, in there with, um, with the Lord Melbourne, I think, was it the representative from the Queen, and we became a nation? That's probably as good a day as any, but there's lots of other contenders. But the idea that we should talk about it, because it's complex to be Australians, is really important. And there's no, well, all we, well it's obvious that all we should... All, no. No, no, if you're having a drink this afternoon with someone and they start on with that, if you can find a nice way to back away, do it, because you're just going to be bored to tears by some pointless statement that actually has no concreteness to it, no kind of intricacy, no kind of nuance to it. Whereas a conversation that says, we well, ought to be paying attention to what Indigenous people have been telling us for a long time, but only in recent years have had the voice for us to be able to hear. We ought to be paying attention to that. We ought to pay attention to what it means to be South Australian when the flag was planted in Sydney Cove in 1788 about New South Wales. What, what, what would that mean to have that conversation? What would it mean to have a conversation where thousands and thousands and millions of Australians were born overseas? Many of us were born in another country and have come here and tried to make sense of what it meant to be Australian. We ought to be having that conversation because it's not that simple. Yet at the heart of it is, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. They're the ones. They're the people who are invited in by Jesus. We're invited to be those people. On this day, and on every day.